Thanks for joining us on the Father's House podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. Want to learn more about us? Check us out online at thefathershouse.com. We'd love to stay connected. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, you got your Bible with you. I'm so excited about today, and I've been so, so excited about this whole series, and I hope it's been a blessing to you. Would you hold up your, your Bible, your iPhone, your iPad, however you have the scriptures, and let's make this confession today. I thought what Andrea said was so good. If, if I hear myself saying something, then, I, then I'm going to believe it, right? This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Father, we love you today. Thank you, God. Thank you for this house full of wonderful people. Lord, that put you first in their week and those that are watching online. Thank you today for warm weather Thank you, Lord, that we're not in the ice and cold other places. Thank you for protecting us, Lord. We know that we have our time of worry when hurricanes come around. But right now, Lord, we have a reprieve and we pray for those in trouble. But Lord, I pray today that you would help us all, Lord, to dream the dreams that you've given us, to live those, and to establish the goals that would make a difference with our life. In your name, Jesus, amen. Well, I'm sure you got notes. And so if you pull out your notes and your Bible today, we want to look at those. But before we do that, I want to tell you a story. It's a rather long story. So uh, uh, if you just uh, sort of uh, listen, just months before America entered into World War II, a young Marine from Ohio named Walter uh, Osipoff boarded a DC-2 transport plane with several other Marines, and they were going to go on a routine parachute jumping exercise with pilot Harry Johnson. As they left off, lifted off of San Diego, it was a beautiful day, and as they began to jump, nine of the Marines successfully jumped. But right before it was time for Walter, his ripcord got caught on something in the plane and deployed his parachute. When his parachute was deployed, he was sucked out of the plane immediately, and his parachute was destroyed, and he started plummeting downwards. But thankfully, part of the harness caught on his leg. The other part broke, but part caught on his ankle. And now he's jerked backwards, and he breaks uh, four ribs, two ribs, and he fractures three vertebrae. And he's yanked to a stop. He's literally hanging by his ankle about 15 feet below this plane. And as he's there, there's no radio contact so that uh, others could contact him or contact other planes. And there he's dangling by his ankle over all the things that are below him that could destroy him. And I look at that and I thought, I'm sure none, to, none of us today have ever been like Walter, hanging by a thread underneath a plane. But I wonder how many times in our life, or maybe in this year, you sort of felt that same way. You felt like your life is turned upside down. Or you felt like that you were the, at the end of your rope, and you were stretched to a breaking point, And you were stuck in a place that you couldn't escape. Or maybe that feeling of feeling powerless to change anything that's real, and therefore it causes us to be frozen in place. So I think sometimes we sort of feel like that. Well, let's get back to the Marine. You know those Marines, they have a motto. What is it? Simplify. What is it? Always faithful. 
always loyal. So they're not going to give up easily on one man. So here he is. He's dangling by his ankle. The people down below realize uh, that something is up. And uh, there he is, hanging there, and no way to pull him back in. Quickly, I believe by the grace of God, a young pilot by the name of Lieutenant Bill Lowry looked up, and he recognized what was happening. And he says quickly to a young Marine by the name of John McCants, he said, shouted at him, there's a man hanging on that line. And they jumped into an SOC-1, which is a two-seat open cockpit plane. And they took off, not even knowing if the aircraft was, had plenty of fuel. And now all of a sudden, everybody realizes that there's danger. Now, again, there's no radios that the pilots can, can talk back and forth. But Lowry hands signals to Johnson to head out over the Pacific. And the two planes rise to an altitude of 3,000 feet. The SOC maneuvers beneath the larger plane. And Marine McCantus, in the back seat of the open cockpit, stands up and he lunges to grab for Asipov, grabbing around the waist and pulling him back towards the plane. Here's a picture of that. Here's what it looked like. And so there he is dangling and the young uh, uh, Marine in the back reaching out and grabbing for him. Now, both planes and all the Marines are in mortal danger. And so Lowry inched his SOC closer and closer to the DC, so close that he actually bumped the other plane. And when he did, the propeller on the SOC cut loose the parachute, and now he's free. But not the pilot. Now the rope of his parachute is stuck on the rudder of the plane. And now he's got to maneuver every way that he can to land that plane. So Finally and thankfully, he did land the plane, and everybody was safe. The young Marine spent six months in the hospital recouping, and you know what he did after he got feeling well again? Back to jumping again, right? Good for him, jumping again. So I read that story, and I thought about it, and I thought, how many of us feel like we've just been hanging around? And I'm going to encourage you as we're in this series, if you've missed any of these teachings, to go back and listen to them. And I'm going to encourage you to reach out and grab for the lifeline of God's vision for your life. He doesn't want you to just exist and go through life. He wants you to have a vision for what he wants. He created you with a great purpose. We all know that verse in Proverbs that says, without where there is no vision, the people what? perish. One translation says, without a vision, people wander aimlessly. You know, we've got some great builders in the house. Sean's a great builder, and, and uh, Sean builds with a blueprint. Now, if, you're, if you have a cabin like we do up in the mountains, you don't always have a blueprint. You just say you want something built, and they draw it up on a napkin, and they come and build it. That's why they do it, but they don't do it that way here. You have to have a blueprint, but you can't have a blueprint unless you know an idea of what you want the house to look like. Wouldn't it be silly if somebody say, I'll draw you up a blueprint, we'll draw you the house, and then never ask you, what would you like the house to look like? And I'm wondering if God doesn't say to us, have you ever thought to ask what I want your life to look like? We said at the beginning of this teaching, if you put into operation these goals that we're talking about, I promise you that next year at this time, your life will be different. But if you don't, just expect to keep going around the same circle over and over. 
So the first week we talked about the goal of finding my life purpose, right? And here's what we said in week one. Read it with me. Your life's purpose is to give glory to God and make him known. All of us, the same purpose. Regardless if you're a pilot, if you're a banker, if you're in sales, if you're retired, whatever you are, if you're a, name it. Well, the goal is whatever you do, you want to do it with such excellence, it brings glory to God and it makes Jesus known. It makes him known. And then last week, we talked about setting life goals. Say life goals. People say, well, what are life goals? Life goals are simply things that you would like to accomplish in your life. What are they? Do you have life goals? Do you have life goals? Yeah, my life goal is tomorrow is a time to go to work. The alarm goes off. I get up and I go to work. Why? What's your life goal? Well, I get a paycheck. Why? So that I can retire. And then what? Well, so that I can wish I was working again, right? <laughs> so what is, your, what is your life goal? What are some of those life goals that God has for you? Uh, you know, to be married, have a family, start your own business, travel the globe, make a difference, go to the mission field. What are your life goals? I really believe that we need to set life goals. Number one, here's some reasons. Number one, goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. It's a spiritual responsibility. I said that last week, and I just wanted to repeat that again. If you'll write that down. Goal setting is a spiritual responsibility. Listen to what Paul said in Philippians 3. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already arrived at what? My goal. Would you underline that? He says, my goal. I've got a life goal. I've got some goals. My goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that myself that I've taken hold of it, or in other words, that I've reached my goals. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, read it with me, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenly. He said, I have got some of my goals, but my goals are really not important unless I live for the goal, the goal that he has for me to live, my life's purpose, that I can bring glory to God and I can make him known. Listen to me, listen. You're either gonna go through life by design or default. Design or default. If you haven't listed out the life goals for your life, how God designs you to be, somebody else will do that for you. They will be happy to do that. And then you spend your life reacting, drifting, coasting through life. And we said last week, you don't coast uphill. You always coast downhill. Number two, goals stretch your faith. Goals are really, if you think about it, they're statements of faith. People say, well, you know, I, I never thought much about goals. I thought that's something that business people did. I thought that was something that athletes did. No, we just read that it's a spiritual discipline. And we said in the first week, Paul said, I'm, I'm, I'm shooting for that goal. I'm not, I'm not like just boxing the air, but, I'm, but I have a goal. Listen, here, here's, here's the goal. Here's the faith goal. I believe that God wants me to accomplish, and you fill it in, by such and such time. I believe that God wants me to accomplish this. 
So it's, it's a faith goal. It's not that you're just saying, oh, I'm coming up with this. I had pizza late last night, so let me see. What's a goal? No, it's this is the goal that he has for me tied up with my goals for my life. Ephesians 3 and 20 says, God can do anything you know far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gentling within us. Listen, the size of your God determines the size of your goal. If you've got a little picture of God, then you're going to have little goals. What's your goal today? I want to get out of bed. Well, that may be the first start of doing something on purpose, right? I mean, some of you hit the snooze alarm three or four times, and God might say, hey, that would be a good goal to start right there. But it's not just going through like that. There are times when we were building this church, God backed us in a corner, and we couldn't do anything without him. And there are times in your life he's going to do the same thing. But it's at that time you have to remind yourself. Uh, between services, some of the prayer ladies came back and prayed with me. And, and, uh, and uh, Helen said this. She said, or so, one, somebody said this. Don't forget the words that God spoke over you years ago that hasn't been fulfilled yet. There's still goals that he has for you. And we need to keep them alive and not let them die. We say, yeah, but I've been waiting for 10, 20 years. So you're still alive. God hasn't given up on you. He still believes that. It's still on his goal list. Or as you could say, maybe your, his bucket list, right? Number three, goals keep you advancing. Goals keep you advancing. Goals help you to endure. Some people say, well, you know, I just feel like I've been going through hell last year. Okay. Then what do you do when you're going through hell? Keep going, right? You don't stop and build a condo. You don't stop and circle up the wagons, but you keep going. But if you don't have a goal, if you don't see a dream or a life goal, you'd be prone to say, well, you know, last year was not a good year. I guess this year's going to be the same. That's what they say. You know, they say, who says? It's whatever politician that talks to you, right? It's going to be good. It's going to be bad. It's going to be this. It's going to be No, no, no. What does God say? Goals keep us going. Even Jesus, when he was going through tough times, the scripture said, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. Look at that, underline that. He never lost sight of where he was headed. So in other words, when you're going through troubles, when you're going through difficulties, when you're going through temporary setbacks, remind yourself of where I'm going. When we got ready to try to find a place to build this building, we had, we had looked at this property. This property here used to be part of a 50, 52 acres that another church in our city were going to build a church on. They had, had fried chicken dinners and everything else. They were going to build a church here on the 50 acres that's here. And uh, it was one of those churches that are led by a demon, I mean a deacon board, uh, and <laughs> And so what happened is you have a lot of different ideas of how something should happen. And then everybody has egos and everybody, instead of looking towards his vision, now everybody's got to plan the vision. And it happened so then they had a church split and then they had to parcel out and sell this property. So when we went to look and to look at buying this property, we had already prayed over this property quite a while. I didn't know all the background to that. And we bought it from a guy by the name of Bill Mahan. No uh, relation. Great guy, Bill. 
We went to Bill when we were looking everywhere. We just felt like this was a place that we should be. There's out on 27, several properties were shown to us, but we really felt like somehow those, those chicken dinners that those ladies sold and what God was doing, I believe he was redeeming part of that here. We don't have the 50 acres. Maybe someday we will have that, but we have right now what we need. So anyway, uh, I went to Bill and I said, Bill, we'd really like to buy that property. <laughs> First of all, we don't have any money to do it, but we'd like to buy that property. He said, oh, Terry, he said, uh, I just, I went to the city. I've already got the plans drawn up for low-income housing. I've already paid for the architect. I've already paid for the permits to that, and we're getting ready to start next week. And I said, oh, okay, all right. So, but God, did you give us a vision? Yes. So I told Anita, well, back to the drawing plan. He's got something better for us. You see, if you have a vision, you keep going. You don't fall down and cry and feel like everything's bad, but you know he's got something better. The next day, Bill called me back, and he said, Terry, he said, I haven't been able to sleep. We need a church on that property, and if you want that, I'll suck up all the costs that I have already had, and I'll, and I'll let you guys have it, and I'll help float the note if you don't have the money, because I want to see a church there. I'm telling you, we've got a big God. We've got a big God that we need to look towards. It keeps us going. You'll never become who God intends for you to become unless you intend to be that man or woman that he intends you to be. Right? Number uh, 10 years from now, some of you will not be in church. You're going to be away from God. You're going to be in lots of problems, probably one or two divorces. Why? Because you never became the person that God intended for you to become. You have to become that. You have to intend that. If you don't, you're just going to float through life. Life goals. Number four, good goals will be rewarded. Good goals will be rewarded. On earth by people, you'll get respect and favor, and in heaven by God. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 9 and 25. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. But now listen, let me say this. Not every goal you set is a God goal. You've got to evaluate and ask yourself. Let me give you some questions to ask about the goals that you have listed out. Number one, will this goal bring honor to God? Will this goal bring honor to God? In other words, will it cause me to depend on him more? Will this goal cause me to love God more? Will this goal cause me to love people more? 1 Corinthians 6 and 20 says, You were God's expensive purchased. Paid for with tears of blood. So by all means then, use your body to do what? To bring glory to God. Are you using your body to just bring pleasure to yourself? Or is it to bring glory to God? A lot of people, their goal is, well, you know, I just want to really be, I just really want to look good when I look in the mirror. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. If that's not the only reason you're doing that, you know. And then other people, you know, it's check your weight. You stand naked in front of a mirror and you bounce once or twice and you count how long it takes everything to settle down. <laughs> Sorry, I, that's too much information, isn't it? Yeah. I didn't say that in the first service. So that somebody is here. That's for you. Is it to honor him or to bring pleasure to myself? 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Our motive has to be right. The second question is, is this goal motivated by love? 
Is this goal motivated by love? You see, if you set selfish goals, it would be better off for you not to accomplish those. But is this goal motivated by love? A goal that needs to be motivated by love. Finances, motivated by love. Health, relationships, not motivated by greed. I hear people say, oh, I just want to get wealthy. I just want to make more money, more money than anybody else. I, I just want to do that. Now, there's nothing wrong with making money. But is that making money going to bring glory to God and make Jesus known? Or is it just going to fill your greed? Greed is not a motive that God blesses. God doesn't bless the motive of competition. Well, we want to have the best company that anybody else. We want to have the best church of anybody else. Now, we want to be the best we can, but that's not our motivation. We want to be the best we can so that it brings glory to God that he would choose us and that he would give us the talents and the ability to do that, and then that it would make him known, right? So it's not that, that we want to be the greatest. No, it's motivated by love. Listen, some people set set goals out of envy. Some people set goals out of grief. Well, I'll just show them. Some set them out of guilt. Well, I should have a guilt. I should have a motive. I feel guilty. I should. Or worry or anxiety. I think this is what we all ought to say with our goals when we look them over. I want to do this, Lord, because I love you, and I want to love other people, and I want to make you known. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians 16, 14, and do everything with love. Love. You say, why should goals be based on love? Because if your goals are not based on love, we have what we call loveless goals. And you know what you'll do? You'll use people to get to your goal. You'll step on top of people to get there to show yourself that you're better. Because you don't really love God. You don't love people. You just love yourself. But you know what a love goal is? You might exceed what somebody else has done up the ladder. But you know what you do? You reach around behind you and you pull them up and say, let me help you do that. Let me help you with that. You treat people instead of projects. You treat them as God's love. Yeah, give the Lord a hand clap. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have interrupted you there. And number three. Will this goal require me to depend upon God? Will this goal, number one, honor God? Is this goal motivated by love? And number three, will this goal, will this goal require depending on God? God gives us the ability. Proverbs 16 and 9, we plan the way we want to live, but only God makes us able to live it. Wow. So I want to depend on him. And I want to depend on him because of three things. Write this down. This is really good. I, because I need God's spirit to empower me. I can't, I can't reach all of my goals without his spirit to empower me. It's not willpower. It's trusting power. It's not trying power. It's trusting power. He told Zerubbabel, you will, succeed by your, you will not succeed by your own strength but by, or by your own power, but by my spirit, says the all-powerful one. So I need God's spirit to empower me, so I'm going to trust in him. And I need God's word to guide me. This Bible is our owner's manual for our life. The more we read it, 
the more we study it, the more we memorize it, the more we meditate on it, the more successful that we are. Last week, we had a reading plan, and it was a great reading plan with Mark Batterson. How many of you did the reading plan with us last week? Good. Thank you. Thank you. We've got another one this week. Starts tomorrow, and it's on goals. It's on dreams, and you can go to our website, and it'll be there. And those of you that are watching online, I'm sure they're going to post that online so you can see where to go that and pull that up because they're just so sharp back there in the back. They've got that all together. So join us. It's eight days, uh, seven days this week, and it'll really help you. So join us in that. So here's Joshua. He's getting ready to take over the promised land, the biggest battle that he'll ever face. Now, wouldn't you think that God would pull him aside and say, young Joshua, let me talk to you about military warfare. Let me tell you how to use a sword. Let me tell you how to use a spear. But here's what God says to him. Look at this. You'll, you'll love this. God says to Joshua, study this book, the Bible, of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. So there's a promise and a premise. He says to those of you that are business owners, he say, get with your employees. Give them a verse of scripture, a motivating verse of scripture, and say this week, whether you believe in God or not, we want to meditate on the truth of this verse. And all week long, we meditate on it. Because he says, if you'll meditate on it day and night, then you will succeed and you'll prosper. Parents, get one of those scriptures when your kids get ready to go to school. Or you're hoping they go back to school. Or wherever they are in the midst of all of that. I'm not sure where we are right now. But there's a promise. There's a promise. There's a promise. But there's also the premise that I have to get into the Word and become a person of the Word. And the next, qu next thing, I need God's help to encourage me. Fulfilling dreams, fulfilling dreams is a team effort. You'll never fulfill the dreams that God has for you by yourself. It's a dream effort. So I need God's people to encourage me. I need God's people to encourage me. That's why we insist that everybody goes through, goes through and becomes part of a life group. Because in a life group, you find people that are going to encourage you and help you. So I encourage you to get into a life group. And if you don't have a life group and they're all closed, you know what we call three people that meet around the Father's house and pray and encourage one another? We call that our life group. And so you say, well, I'd like to start one of those. Good. Just give the church a call tomorrow. And Tanya or Pastor Tim will give you a quick training course on how to lead a life group. And maybe two or three people in your business, two or three people in your community, two or three people, homeschool moms or something, you start a life group. And we can help you with that because you need that encouragement with everything that's going on around now. We say, if you really want to be part of the Father's house, you want to go through growth track which is the first, second, third, fourth Sunday of every month. You don't have to take those in sequential order. You can just, just jump in. It's 11 o'clock during this service. So you come to service one, and then you go to the growth track, and you'll discover where you fit in God's plan. You'll discover more about the Father's house. So those of you that are in a life group, I want to challenge you to do something this week. I want you to take a selfie of the people in your life group, 
And then I want you to send that to lifegroups at thefathershouse.com. So be sure you take a picture of that so you know where to send it. Take a selfie this week in your life group and then send that. And then what we're going to do, we're going to post some of those on social media to say these are some of the sharpest people in the world that you'll ever meet because they're in a life group. Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about setting your own life goals. Uh, as you leave today, on the table outside, there is a copy of what I'm going to share with you right now on the screen. I didn't give it to you earlier because some of you would look at that and you wouldn't understand what it's all about. But now you'll be able to understand that. Several years ago, I ran across setting up life goals. Some people call them a bucket list. A bucket list. It's things you want to do with your life. And a lot of times people have no idea what they want to do with their life. Okay, you're a snowbird. What do you want to do with your life? Well, when it gets hot, I want to go north. And when it gets cold, I want to come south. Really? I want to retire so that I can play golf every day. Really? No. What are your life goals? What are the life goals for you, for your grandkids? For your kids. So several years ago, I ran across Mark Batterson's list, and they really became a catalyst for me to set my life goals that I have. These are not Nita's life goals. These are mine. Some of these I have a target date on accomplishing this year. Others I will accomplish in what time that I have left on this world, which is going to be uh, a long time. Because one of these goals is going to take 20 or 30 years for me to achieve. And I, I divide them up into categories. We'll put them on the screen. First of all, I call, uh, these are my life goals. And then the influence goals, the physical goals, experience goals, spiritual goals. So here's some of my life goals. These are things I'm looking forward to. And, and I have these in my, in my journal. And I read them over at least once a month to remind myself, you know, what I'm doing. You know, when, when Anita treats me bad... <laughs> I look at my life goal. I'm going to celebrate my 50th anniversary with Anita. And I say with Anita because some of people say, well, I've been married 16 times. And so if I total them all up, I'm going to celebrate 50 years. No, I'm going to celebrate there. I want to uh, dedicate my great-grandchildren. I want to celebrate an anniversary in Italy with Anita. I want to celebrate an anniversary in Paris with Anita. I want to take a full month sabbatical. I'll probably do that this, this July. I want to do the Kyle Petty ride again. I've done it twice. I want to do that again. Uh, this year, I want to read 24 books. I want to do an overnight deep sea fishing trip. I want to score my age in golf. <laughs> Pastor Ben said I would need to live another 30 years to be able to do that. I want to spend more time at my cabin. I want to stay faithful to God and finish strong. I want to stay faithful to Anita, live in a great marriage that is rewarding and satisfying with Anita, being happy and fulfilled, to preach what I practice and practice what I preach, to raise up and bring about the best staff. My buddy Don came in this morning. He's been real busy, hasn't been able to be in church. And he said, you know, I've got one more goal 
on my bucket list. I want to ski down the mountain again at 90. He said, I have two years to make it. Now, I know he'll do it because I've seen him ski backwards down the slope in Colorado coaching Anita. Anita's a NASCAR skier. She only turns left. His buddy that he skis with was a stuntman for 007 that did that movie of all the snow skiing. And so that's who, so Don, I know you're going to do it at 90. I know you are going to do that. What is your life goals? What, and here's some influence goals that I have. Write a book. Start a mentoring group for pastors. Lead the Father's house to 700 to 1,000. Transition to the next generation. Develop a five or 10-year plan. Mentor TFH next generation pastors with school of ministry. Here's some of my physical goals. You've got to be careful what you say when you preach. So I said in the last service, you know, I've done about three or four half marathons, Anita and I, and I said, I've got one more. I've always said this, one more. I want to run in the Las Vegas half marathon. It's at night, and you run down the strip. And I said, and I've always said this, I had, my life goes, I want to do that with my daughters. So I come back in between services, and Kelly sends me a text. You're signed up for the Vegas half marathon next year. February 27 and 28, and she said, when I get the money, I'm going to sign all three of us up and pay the fee there. Man, my knees are hurting already. All right. I want to exercise at least four days a week. Maintain between 235, 240 so that I can still eat some Krispy Kreme donuts. And I want to hike the Grand Canyon. Those are some goals that I have. Experience goals. I want to do a 40-day fast again. I've already done one of those. I want to do a hot air balloon ride. I want to attend the Sturgis Bike Week. I said in the last service, attend Sturgis Bike Week, and I got flack from Anita. She said, where's she going to be? So I have it in my journal. Attend Sturgis Bike Week with Anita. You say, oh, that's a vile place. Well, I have sanctified eyes, so don't worry about it. Number four, attend Hillsong, Australia. Those are, with Anita, those are my experience goals. Some of my spiritual goals. I want to follow a daily Bible reading plan. I want to make daily prayer a habit, keep a spiritual journal. I want to read encouraging books. I'm going to read 24 this year. I want to daily add value to someone sharing my faith. And I want to practice Sabbath rest one day a week, practice the Sabbath rest. I want to go on a prayer walk once a week. That's a new one I have this year. And then I want to fast uh, once per month. Now, a copy of these are for you out there. Not that you cut and paste, but that, but that you say, oh, yeah, that, have, that gives me an idea. And I'm not saying you have to do a, two pages. I didn't do two pages when I first started. I just had three or four. Some of you would just have one life goal. It'd give you something to look forward to. But now let me reverse that. Let me rewind that. Rewind. Here's the verse in the Bible. 
What would it profit a man or a woman if they reached all their goals and lost their soul? Now, it doesn't really say that. It says, what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses its soul? The only goal that really matters, first of all, is that I'm living for his purpose. That I love God. And he lives in my life. Jesus loves you so much. You see, when God created us, he created us with a huge hole in our spirit. And a lot of people try to fill that, that, that want, that hole with a lot of stuff. Well, if I get things, if I do this, if I do something else. But you know what? The only thing that fills that hole just right is the love of Jesus Christ who came to this earth, took your sins and my sins, and died on the cross for you and me. That fills that goal. And once I have that goal filled, then I can really begin to live. I can really begin to live. So if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your heart and into your life, or maybe you say, you know, Terry, years ago, uh, you know, I sensed that the Lord was giving me direction, but I've just let things crowd out. Good things, fun things. You see, any of those life goals can be things that crowd out your relationship with God. I could get so tied up looking like, okay, I'm going to do an anniversary now here, there, and everywhere else that I fail to live the very first purpose that I do is to live for his glory and to make him known. But here's the awesome thing about Jesus. He doesn't make, us, make it hard for us to get to him. He made it easy. He said, if you call upon the Lord, you can be saved. You say, what does that mean? That just means today that I invite him to come into my life. That I say, I'm not doing so good with my life right now. I need you. So I want to pray with you today and believe with you today for that in your life. Or if you've grown cold in your walk with him, that today will be the day that you renew that relationship with him. So why don't you just bow your head, close your eyes and pray. I know we do it different ways, but I just, I just feel like the Lord wants some of us to just search our heart today. Are you living on design or are you living at default? You're just like a, a ball in a pinball machine. You know, wherever the flipper sends you, that's where you're going. But God is saying today, no, I want you to begin living life on purpose, with purpose. And that starts with knowing that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, that you need him. If that's you today, would you do this? Let me lead you in a prayer. Would you make eye contact with me and just raise your hand and say, Terry, would you include me in that prayer today? I want to be included. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Others today. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you today, thank you, thank you in the back, hands going up, thank you, sir, thank you. I see those hands and so does the Lord. And those of you that are watching online, I, I know you also. Look, look, look at me just for a moment, everybody. What's getting ready to happen in just a minute is so mind-boggling. You thought that rescue story of Walter was awesome, hanging by one leg, and the Marine stands up in the back of an open pit plane and lurches and grabs for him and pulls him in. That's nothing compared to what's going to happen in your life right now. Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, is going to take entry into your life. He's going to forgive you of all of your sins. He's going to give you a purpose for life. 
and he's going to give you a home in heaven for all eternity and then on the new heaven and the new earth forever and ever and ever and ever. Is that awesome or what? Is that awesome or what? Now I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender your heart. It's not just to get the guilt off of us, but it's a life change. And after I lead you in this prayer, Andrea will let you know what you can do to get some help for this life change because it's just the start. Would you bow your heads and would you pray this with me? And those of you that are watching online today, let's pray this prayer together. Father God, thank you today for loving me, for caring for me. Thank you for allowing me to be here today. Thank you for the divine rescue that you're doing right now. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. As best as I know how, I want to serve you all the days of my life. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in your life. We would love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps might be, visit thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.